to another episode of Novel Evening. I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as at blottedinkbooks. And of course, this is Novel Evening where I chat with fellow book lovers, authors, book bloggers, booktubers, uh, all about their perfect fictional fantasy dinner party or giant piss up, one of the two. Um, but for this episode, I am joined by Finbar Hawkins, who is the author of Witch. I gave it five stars when I read it last year. I read it in the autumn. It's when it's meant to be read, I'm just going to say now. Um, the ultimate cosy read with their magic and sisterhood. And his newest book, Stone, is out in September and is, is a continuation of themes from Witch. It's not a direct sequel, but it does feature some of the uh, some of the magic of Witch. And I'm super, super excited to chat with him all about Witch, all about Stone, and delve into his novel evening. So hello to Finbar, hello. Hi Danny, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? How's your weekend been? Uh, it's been good. Uh, yeah, enjoying, well, not enjoying the heat wave, but um, <laughs> yeah, kind of uh, bits bits and pieces, trying to, trying to relax, but also you know a bit of writing here and there and you know that, that kind of stuff so yeah um and try not to go not to garden too much basically oh I try not to garden at all if I can help it um, <laughs> that's my least favorite of all of the jobs just lawn that's all I have yeah um, but I'm glad I would like to hear you do some writing so maybe we'll we'll touch on that in a little bit yeah um because I've noticed that so obviously you're here to talk firstly about your book which mm -hmm. I loved it um I five starred it. Um, I think I read it last year, uh -huh. um, and it was a really beautiful story. Um, and for me, I felt that it was a real sort of ode to nature and to the world uh -huh. we live in. Um, and obviously, it was a little witchy, a little witchcraft, which we love. Yeah. Tell us a little bit for anyone who hasn't read Witch. Tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, sure. So, Witch um, tells the story of uh, Evie. Uh, Evelyn of the Birds, um, and she's about 15. She has a, a younger sister, Dill, who's nine. Um, and they witness the, the murder of their mother by witch hunters, right at the very beginning of the tale. Um, and this, this steals Evie into just, you know, wanting revenge on these witch hunters. Um, but also she's promised her mother, she swore an oath to mother to, to look after Dill. Um, and those things in her mind become kind of at odds with each other so she sets off on this journey um and yeah not getting want to giving too many spoilers but obviously there's a kind of uh, she meets people along the way um and there's all sorts of stuff that goes on there's obviously there's a, there's a trial that takes place um and yes yeah, about journey about whether she gets her comeuppance but it's also about um evie who's resistant to her witching way um and about finding herself really finding her magical self in that and how about her relationship with her sister is that is the also the heart of the book um, it's beautiful it's a really lovely story about sisterhood um about yeah. family yeah. and i loved the magic in it as well it was a real sort of earthy magic yeah yeah and um i think that was the thing for me when i was when which sort of evolved which came about from when i was um i was on the bath spa um ma for writing for young people a few years back um, and it came out of an exercise. We were trying different things, um, different voices, different age groups, things like that. But that particular <clears throat> week, Steve Voke, as our tutor, just gave us the kind of prompt to write something with a histor historical setting. And I'd 
you know, there's nothing like a deadline. So you're kind of off walking the dog and thinking, you know, what I'm worried about. And um, my mum, you know, probably witchy in her way as well, had always nagged me about, I think you should, you know, you should look at the Pendlewitch trials. You should look at that, um, you know, what happened there. And I thought, well, okay, that's interesting. I am drawn to that um, anyway, just in terms of my interests about, you know, folklore and super, supernatural and things like that. Um, so that got my mind going, but I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, base it here where I live. I live in Wiltshire. Mm -hmm. um, and I started to think about, well, if you were a 15 year old girl and you'd grown up in that witching way, in that, in, in that environment, that's all you knew. Um, and then something cataclysmic suddenly happened like that um, with witch hunters arriving and really kind of tearing your world, world apart. How would you deal with that? What would you do? Um, and that literally is how her voice started to come to me. And I kind of had to get home very quickly to start getting that down. But I think particular to that as well, I wanted her to, I knew from the get-go that I wanted her to, a witch in my mind is draws her power from nature, mm -hmm. from the natural world. So albeit she has this tension within her, um, she is infused with, um, with the, charged by the land and by, by animals and everything else. And that, that really, you know, it, it is part of her being, is part of how she sees the world and is part of how she speaks as well. Um, and I, it was very important for me that the book had a lyricism so that uh, you're kind of being bewitched by her voice, by her, by the way that she talks and the way that she refers to the, to the world. And that was a really important part of it really. Yeah, I grew up in, in Dorset and I live in Devon now. So, you know, rural life is something that's very, a very big part of my upbringing. And I definitely think the the scenery and the setting, you know, you're from Wiltshire, it was almost a character in itself when yeah. you're reading it. It's so yeah. evocative. Yeah. And I love Evie as a character. She's so bold. Um, yeah. And you, you know, as, as someone who was a 15 year old girl once yeah. in a time, yeah, you yeah. definitely feel that. Um, yeah. I think you wrote her beautifully. It's, it's a wonderful yeah. story. Thank you. Well, I mean, it's also, these are the things that we're focusing on um, in terms of writing for young people that we were, we were learning about in the course. And I've all, I've always been interested in, in children's literature. I know all, I will always read it, you know, yeah. in terms of kind of my my dying day, I mean, that kind of stuff. I'll probably be, you know, buried with a little Guin book in my hand, all that kind of stuff. And um, and it's about looking exactly as you're saying, looking to yourself in terms of the tensions that you had at, and frustrations you had at 15. Um, you're still, for want of a better term, trapped with your family. You want, you know, you want to get on, you want to find your own life you want to find yourself you want to be doing things for yourself um but also you don't really realize where you're perhaps a bit a bit testy and a bit selfish uh how good you've got it sometimes you know perhaps some of these things you take for granted like family oh completely you're, you're on the cusp of being an adult but you're still very much a child in a lot of ways it's such yeah. a strange time yeah and i think you you captured that beautifully and your second novel stone yeah. is out in yeah. september Yes. Tell me about Stone. I feel like it's going to be a very different story. Yes, um, it, it, it is. It is connected. It's kind of a left-hand turn sequel in a sense. It's not, it's a standalone, but it is connected to Witch. So there's um, there's a stone in Witch that is a scrying stone um, that's a very important uh, kind of magical object, which is, um, it, is, is central to the story. Mm -hmm. Um, and the stone of the eponymous book stone is the same item um, and it's about how a boy in the modern it's a modern day setting present day setting 
um, how he's mourning. Um, uh, so this is Sam, who's the main character. He's mourning the death of his father, who was killed in Afghanistan in a in a, um, in a, a bomb attack. Um, so after his funeral, he goes up onto the hills. Um, and he takes the dog out, and he's and he's he's just consumed with grief. Um, and he finds, or perhaps in some way, it finds him um, the stone. Um, and then that sets off a whole chain of events in terms of a how he's dealing with his grief um and i look at that a lot um how he's dealing with his younger sister and his mother because they're all bouncing off each other and they're all dealing with what's happened in their own way um but also he's having these his supernatural uh, um occurrences that are brought about by the stone um and the yeah the journey that he goes on in terms of how how he navigates the loss of his father and how he's going what he's going to do about that he meets um very early on a girl that has just arrived um in the village because they're all uh, kind of barracks families mm -hmm. in, that, in that sense so there's a lot of kind of where well, they may have been served a tour somewhere else um and she's of an irish family um and she's very interested in divination in uh right and dowsing and uh, tarot and um and, uh what might be termed holding a seance things like that mm -hmm. so he's very drawn to her she's quite a an attractive young lady and um you know he's a he's a full-blooded male at 17 um yeah. uh, but also is filled with self-doubt in a sense that would anybody like that like him um and she you know she helps him um but it's about getting him to understand how he can help himself as well so it's it's a story about very modern day present preoccupation in the sense that i've always been interested in you know the human need to have war and and the violence that entails and the ongoing impact that has on our lives um and the other aspect of that which is continually interest in you know the landscape um the 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 the, the element of supernature and what that means whether it's something that's all in our heads or it, there's something that's deeper to to that and also that what you believe in all of that is really important too as well as um meeting friends across different uh, generations as well i'm very interested in that that um that's a big piece of it but also um psychotherapy is also part of stone so that in in a modern setting sam uh goes and starts to speak to somebody a kind of grief therapist that's yeah. helping him um and i wanted to look at that in terms of the importance of mental health as well and, and bring that into the story so there's there's lots going on yeah <laughs> um but i think i would hope um that people that really like witch um uh and there are the same kind of stuff is going on yeah but it was um uh, it was a book i kind of started uh before which actually i got very distracted by by which and i decided to to link them in that in that way so it was good to kind of kind of you know it was literally sat in this desk um collecting collecting dust for a bit so at least i had a kind of the first first half of it and i yeah. uh, wanted to go back and and explore um those things from a, a male voice as well where which is yeah. a female. it's very it's a very female strong you know novel 
Yeah. And you say the, the themes of the two, you know, you, you've got grief throughout, you've got the kind of magic, you've got kind yeah. of developing relationships. Is this yeah. slightly different to write a modern novel in comparison to writing something that is set, you know, historically? Is the kind of process very much the same or is it slightly different? Um, I think by virtue of the the main characters and digging into them, they're quite distinct personalities. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but perhaps also the scenarios they're quite tricksy as well yeah. um it, it's always a it's always a, an interesting thing to you want to make a character compelling and ultimately for you to bond with them right to like yeah. them um but but people are a complex they're a mixed bag of things um so Evie goes through that stage and so does Sam sometimes he's quite difficult to to kind of get on with but I it was important for me to and the particular, I think, to Stone, which is distinct from which, that I wanted um, the reader to kind of see him through other characters' eyes, through right. his younger sister, Beth. So even though it's told from his point of view, mm-hmm. he's not necessarily an unreliable narrator, but um, that you that you can empathise with what his family are going through. And he meets another character through therapy called um, called Bill, who right. is an older, much older man. Um, right. kind of, um, and he's going to therapy they bump literally bump into each other in the waiting room and and bill kind of is another friend he meets along the way so um and obviously una um and it, it, it i wanted that that to be the kind of the the path in that sense that there's a lot there's a quite a number of characters that are all there to help him frankly to to, right. to get him to wake up and that's what it's about it's kind and of also getting... you're writing teenagers teenagers are complex yeah complex creatures aren't they yeah, <laughs> I know exactly. from experience it's a yeah. lot of emo- high emotion um sometimes very little rationalization yes uh, very heavy a lot of that. yeah <laughs> it's, it's a complex time yeah. and you mentioned very briefly that you've been doing some writing can you yes. tell us perhaps what's next that you're looking working on um yes yeah, so i'm it's very 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 early days so um but it, now that stone all the last bits and pieces because it's coming out uh beginning of september folks uh, september it's not first. long yeah it's, it's not, not long. long um so and as you can imagine there's all sorts of stuff that go just the ongoing editing and yeah. um and i had ideas percolating anyway but i didn't actually kind of you know crack my knuckles and get down to start writing anything fresh until very recently like literally in the last few weeks um all i can say at the moment is that i'm i know it's a ghost story well, yeah, that, that's the noise you make. That's <laughs> the noise ghosts make. <laughs> um, I love a ghost story. And do you know what? I will say, with which I haven't read Stone yet, obviously, which was very much for me an autumnal read. It yeah. was a cozy, curling up on the sofa kind of read. Yeah. I kind of feel similar with Stone. So I feel like you've got a little overarching theme here that these books are yeah. to be enjoyed with a fire if you are lucky enough Definitely. to have one. Or a radiator if you don't. Um, yeah. And a blanket and some yeah. candles. I'm getting those vibes from your writing. It's, I think it's my favourite time of the year. I think it's kind of, you know, write what you... I, you know, people say writers always write the same book, right? In that sense. And I think it's, I think it's, there's a lot of truth in that. Um, you know, I'm drawn to the same kind of things. And I there's something... Stone is set, um, very importantly, coming in the run-up, the weeks running up to Halloween. Right. And oh. there's, an, there's an important reason for that that runs through the book um sorry i'm just telling you. and um um, <laughs> um and it's um so and so yes i think 
the ghost story is that certainly it's got the same kind of preoccupations in terms of me wanting the to give the reader a, a bit of a chill maybe yeah. have to re- draw in the blankets a bit a bit tight to put another log on the fire that kind of stuff yeah. and that's probably I think there's a lot of truth in that it's probably when I'm happiest reading you know we're taking a a book to the pub you know with the dog and um yeah. you know just settling in for a bit and it's kind of I think that's an important aspect of the immersion that you have with a with a book so yeah I hadn't considered that at all Danny but I think that's that's, that's very true <laughs> yeah I think that's that's really interesting and I have a feeling now with your novel evening so you've mentioned your love of children's books a little bit yes I might be completely wrong I'm wondering if there's going to be some children's authors or characters from children's books cropping up definitely absolutely okay. yeah yeah I'm I'm interested I'm intrigued so we should start with where are you going to go for your evening Oh, well, that's an easy one. So um, it was kind of instantly knew the answer to that one in terms of we're going to the hills. We're heading for the hills. Um, I'm a big walker. Um, oh, and... I'm so sorry. My child has just appeared. Give me one moment. Sure. Oh, shit. Yeah. Go downstairs. Go downstairs. As long as work. Yeah, I know it's funny. Go on. <laughs> He's just grinning. He thinks this is my husband's trying to rescue me. He's like, come like, here. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> He's just smiling on the stairs. Like, oh. Sorry. Right. So, okay, so where are you going for your evening? <laughs> We're heading to the hills, Danny. Heading um, to the so hills. Heading okay. to the hills. Um, uh, I live in Wiltshire, which is just like, you know, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, the, you know, the best place to live in the world. It's so beautiful here. Um, and I, yeah, my, I have family from Wiltshire, uh, particularly the Salisbury area and Stonehenge, and it's it's a beautiful part of the world. It is a beautiful part, and I I walk in it a lot. Um, sometimes on my own or meeting up with with mates. We've got our own kind of rambling WhatsApp group called Walking with Dinosaurs, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're always plotting our next you know our next adventure. Um, and it's great, you know, it's about walking across a charged landscape. So we will be heading for one of my all-time favorite places to be which is near Avebury up onto the Ridgeway um, oh I went a- to Avebury last last autumn actually I'd never been right. I went to visit a friend who lives very close by and we went to explore and it is it's beautiful there was a it's tree beautiful. covered in ribbons yeah yeah um, it, yeah exactly stuck sheep everywhere sheep roaming around the stones it was gorgeous yeah and you've got that when you get to the end so if you're coming from Avebury which is yep. where we would we'd have a pint first perhaps um and we'd yeah, set off down yeah, set off from the Avebury, um, walk down, they kind of ab- follow the avenue of the yep. stones, and that would take us, in, and suddenly the landscape goes, bam, you know, it's this huge, you know, the, 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 the depressions in the landscape and all the kind of almost like a, you know, kind of flowing up and it all opens out. It's no, for no re- mistake that a lot of hand gliders or they set off from up that way and they float all over, you know, out over the, the ridgeway. So you can, all of the Wiltshire opens up beneath you and um you you know you walk along the top there and you can it's just you can see for miles and miles um so that would be the place and um, we'd come down to honey street and then walk along there'll be another another pub by the uh, canal barge there getting it getting the pints in you've got to earn them though um so that would be that would be the place i think always that in my imagination i go there and um Similarly, you no know, stone is is set in a similar kind of landscape over near the one of my favorite places, the White Horse at Uffington. So it's a bit further. You've got to get you know, driving more towards kind of Oxford direction. Um, but then there's a there's a big spot there where the the old fort had been, which is described in stone, um, which is just 
a magical, very strange, ethereal type of place. And the, if you stand in the middle of that, uh, where the fort had been, and it's sort of all sound stops, and you've got the wind, and um, yeah, it's kind of I, I'll, I'll have my I have my ashes scattered up there. I think it's that kind of that kind of yeah. place where where I can always be. So it's about. And I can't think coming back to kind of always writing the same kind of stuff. It's kind of. You're obviously very inspired by the landscape and where you live. Um, I feel that very deeply. I've, I've always been really lucky to grow up in really gorgeous settings. I love yeah. being in the woods and up in hills. And, and I think that you can hear that you're, you know, inspired and passionate about where you live. And I think it's wonderful. So, yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. We should go there. We it's should head, head for the hills. And, you know, got, we've got our backpacks and we've got bit of lunch with us and uh you know a good sandwich to have up the top of the top of the ridge and and watch and a the, pint at start pint at the end when it starts start, exactly get yourself charged then watch the kites the red kites coming in and um you know watch the watch the clouds scud and all that kind of stuff and it's um you know i lived in london born and born and bred as a londoner um um and we moved out this way when my daughter who's now 17 she's she was about two and a half uh, before my son arrived on the scene. He was born in, in Chippenham. He's a Chippenham lad. Um, yeah. And um, there's always a bit of trepidation because you know, it's like, I didn't really know anybody here, but we knew that Box had lots of families and there's a kind of tenuous connection with our, our neighbours through um, my brother-in-law and stuff. So, but it is a bit of a, a bit of a jump. You know, you yeah. kind of like, and I remember the kind of day we moved, I think you can't, We've made a terrible mistake. What on earth are we doing? Because it's not the best time you move into an empty house, right? It's all looked a bit like, oh, it's a bit depressing. Yeah. Um, and making those several chips up and down the M4. And but, Homesick. You're homesick for what you've left behind because you've not actually yeah. explored what you've moved to yet. Exactly. And it it was the it was the best thing we've ever done. And we do, oh, it's given it's given our children incredible life. They can run out on the wreck ground. They they can they can roam here without us being one worried about them in yeah. the sense that, um, and not that I don't love London, but it I would never go back in that sense that because Wiltshire's given us so much. And yes, it is all about being in this incredible landscape, which has then, as I found, you know, the weirdness of finding the bath bed. Bath Spire, mate, which is taught like literally five minutes drive from here at Caution yeah. Court. Um, finding other like minds, like Chris Vick, who lives in Box as well, is um is a great friend, and he he'd also done the course, so it was kind of through him I found it. Um, so all these kind of incredible, wonderful connections, which I do believe is part of the the kind of magic of the place, and that that of course then how it's infused my writing. So Absolutely. yeah, it's um yeah, it's it's all. I think until someone has lived rurally. Um, I have lots of friends all over the country now, thanks to Bookstagram. A lot of them live in cities. Um, they love city living. I'm a bit of a country mouse. I have to say, whenever I go to a big city, I'm always on the side, oh, it's very loud. Yeah. But until you've lived somewhere very rural, I think you don't necessarily appreciate the magic of yes, seeing magic. somewhere like that. Just having it on your doorstep, we're very lucky to have yeah. green and sea and yeah. have all that close to hand and you know we have buzzards over our our garden sometimes yeah. bats at night and yes and i think and you don't appreciate it and i love a bit of rambling i don't yeah. do as much of it now but i'm rambling is good yeah. rambling is good. yeah you've always got a pocket <laughs> of merriments to keep you going yeah okay so we're going to get our rucksacks on and we're going to go for a bit of a hike who's the yes. first person you're going to bring with us again that's an easy one kind of like top of the list um it's ursula Le Guin. 
um, may she rest in peace. Um, you know, I mean, I, 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 somebody that I reread, and the particular Wizard of Earthsea, which is her classic, um, and then the continuing books of Earthsea. But the Wizard of Earthsea is such a stunning book, um, and one that I read first when I was about 10, I think, 10 or 11. Wow. And completely, it completely blew me away then. And it, I reread I, I reread it quite a lot, so probably read it every couple of years. Um, and then sequel, Tombs of Atuan, which um, I read reread recently. We were coming up from holiday somewhere, and I was just in buckets of tears in this flight. You know, my my uh, wife, we had the kids who was looking over at me and going, what's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, God, why is Dad crying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I was having high altitude, lacrimosity, all that kind of stuff. But um, and so discovered her as a children's writer, yeah. um, as a, ch- a child myself, and being completely immersed in that incredible world that she creates for Earthsea. Um, and then the continuance. The Tombs of Atomon is so clever as a sequel because she doesn't give you exactly what you think you need. You know, you want continuing adventures of, yeah. of the main character. She takes us to a completely different part of the world over to the story of a print, uh, little um, uh, priestess girl who I think is about uh, nine or ten. And you think, what on earth is going on? You're immersed, not that it's not brilliant, but you're going, where is the wizard? Do I want more tales of yeah. Yeah, And you sit, eventually you meet him through her eyes and they and you go, oh, my God. And the whole it's, so, it's such a clever thing to do. And also, but it, in a stroke she takes you she increases the side of our size of her world and yeah. you know it's that kind of stuff and of course my sister got it for me here it's one of my prized possessions it's very close to me at all times here we go the books the books of earthsea wow it's beautiful it's, as well beautiful what? it's illustrated edition i mean it's just <gasps> you know copy? yeah i mean every every home should have a copy of this um and it's it's just got everything so she obviously she went back and throughout her life you know, building more and more into this yeah. incredible world that's, um, you know, there's, you've got to have a map. It's beautiful. Always got to have a map. Um, <laughs> but it's like, ah, oh, you know, again, so, and, and then, you know, later on, I discovered her science fiction. Yeah. Um, so, you know, much, much later in life. Um, and you know, the left hand of darkness, which won like every award and you know, Hugo and the nebula, everything going again quite a slight book a bit like the wizard of Earthsea, but so dense in it in in its it, its its conjurement of a, of a universe um and so so enchanting in that sense um and i then went off and devoured the rest of her science fiction um the dispossessed again about an ambassador um, an ambassador who's a physicist from another planet visiting another culture and the the prejudices that he brings and how that culture is trying to they're trying to understand each other and I think that Ursula Gwynn revisits the same kind of things this thing about writers always writing the kind of the same things and she's fascinated in human human dynamics which of course is a massive part of Wizard of Earthsea as well the main character is consumed with kind of jealousy and um, doesn't kind of realise his innate abilities and um, and the way that the, what that does to him in that sense. But um, yeah, so it it's it's about Ursula Le Guin all day long, really, and the fact that she could be she uses children's literature to to really explore some incredible important themes. 
Um, and that same that same kind of approach is going on in her science fiction with her. I love the fact that she uses genre. She's one of those that now it's everywhere, right? Everybody uses it to, you know, nobody's sniffy about it. We're all geeks, right? All that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, we are absolutely all geeks. Exactly. I mean, I was at uh, um, a Yelk the, the other week and, you know, I had the first time I experienced Comic-Con. It's like, it's mind-blowing. And it's like intense that, oh. that that's so important. That here is the genre universe. This is what, this is what, and of course, we've got all uh, the Disneys and the Marvels and the... Oh, always... do you know what, as well? I think fantasy, there's something really special. I think when you find a fantasy book as a child that you fall in love with or as a teenager, mine was like, my kind of foray into fantasy was really like the Lord of the Rings films. Yeah. I was not yeah. enough to watch them, but I did. Yeah. And I read them. And like, there's something, I think actually fantasy readers, when you find a fantasy you love... Yeah you love it and you love that author and you get into it and you yeah. follow them. And like you said, that it, is, it used to be once upon a time that, you know, fantasy was predominantly seen as something that kind of like middle-aged white yeah, exactly. males liked and same yeah. with sci-fi, you know, comic book guy from the Simpsons. That's what everyone yeah. pictured in their head. Same with comics, same exactly. with you know, manga. Exactly. Yeah. And now it's so mainstream and there's yeah. so many different versions of it and offshoots and, you know, it's exactly. fantastic. So it yeah, fantastic. I would love to talk to her as well. That sounds like a fantastic choice. <laughs> um, I'm sure she'd be apps. And you're so passionate when you're talking about her work that yeah. comes across. So I'm sure you'd have lots of questions for her. Oh my God. Yeah. I wouldn't leave her alone. <laughs> she'd, she'd hate me by the end of the, the walk. <laughs> she'd be like, we are miles away from civilization now. Yeah, exactly. I'm stuck in the middle of nowhere with this man. <laughs> Who is this guy? He won't Where shut up about pub? my bloody books. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, she's arrived. She's got her rucksack on. Who are you bringing yeah. next? Um, again, that's a no-brainer. Um, uh, it's Alan Garner, um, who, you know, is still going. Um, and um, again, you know, uh, discovered him as a child. Uh, completely different feeling from um, from the everything I've been talking about with Ursula Le Guin. The, and and continue to reread him, continue to vi- revisit his books and study them. Um, and I guess that feeling is, he has this visceral visceral quality um, that his books are have always got a tension and an edge to them. And clearly, I'm, I'm drawn to their subject matter. Yeah, things like the Owl Service with Sylvan Brisingham, Moon of Gonrath, Elador, Stone Quartet. You know, and and just last year he brought out Treacle Walker. You know, he's still knocking out these incredible books. Um, but there's what I think I, I struck me as a child and is still the case is that the way that he creates a, um, he, he's exploring the themes of folklore and whatever is determined to be the supernatural. But he leaves, uh, he le- he's in the kind of, um, I think he's in the, that long tradition of storytellers as, um as guides really i think right. he's to me he's the equivalent of a spirit guide like a shaman but he does it in his in his work he does it in his writing because you can reread something like the owl service many times and still be in the same way you'd return to a fairy tale right like fairy tales are encoding us right in a way with messages and you know the importance of that where when fairy tales first emerged you know they they weren't the kind of you know that the, the Grimm brothers had a had, they fought each other really about one wanted to take it much more kind of soften it and commercialize it and the other was like no 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 you know this was a really good book about about that sorry I'm emptying my shelves probably this um the, 
this book, which is called the complete oh. first edition, original folk and fairy tales of the Brothers Grimm. So it looks at, at the different editions of the fairy tales and compares them um, and things that were kind of evolved. Some of them were very dark when they first Some of them were very out. dark, yeah. And, and I, I think Disney has played a big part in sanitizing a lot of yes. fairy stories for the big screen. I know yeah. with Cinderella, there was some foot cutting, wasn't there? And there was, yeah. some, you know, there was a lot bleaker, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting they had different ideas as they were writing. Yes, them. it's interesting. And, the, and, the, and I think one brother kind of eventually won over because of the kind of Grimm's fairy tales that we know now. But, but, um, and, and yeah, the other thing I've got, uh, Antonio Calvino's collected all the uh, folk tales and they're amazing. I mean, uh, but again, because they have this visceral quality to them, they have an edge. Yeah. Um, and I to go back to Garner, I think that for me, he is that kind of storyteller. He's kind of, yeah, he's shaman like. And there's something um, you go into his books and you come out slightly changed. Um, he does something to you by virtue of his writing. Um, and the Owl Service is and they did a particularly good BBC adaptation of it. in oh, the 70s. Really? It's well worth um, checking out because they managed to capture so that kind of golden age of, um, you know, Children's Film Foundation and a lot of great stuff was made. Um, and it's they get that tone. They get that tone of weirdness in there yeah. of, um, of almost a spell being cast. But you can never quite see the edges of it. Almost if you look at something, as soon as you look at something or look at a spirit, yeah. it might be the edge of it goes. Right. And there's something about quantum science in that as well. We don't really understand this mad thing that the 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 kind of the originating proof of there's something out there we don't understand yeah. but kind of the the two you know the 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 lie experiment right as soon as you look at it it changes its its quality if you look away even if you monitor it um it knows that it's being monitored there's i mean i, I you know it so for but, me that's also <laughs> the kind of that's that's kind of the sense of um i think what garner's doing right i think that's what he's wow. describing um, that's the kind of place that he's navigating. And I like the, he talked about the owl service, the foreword of it's really interesting because he talks about he needs time to find the story. He doesn't just go, you know, he he needs the story almost kind of to the story spirit to find him too. And he had something percolating in his brain that he wanted to have a retelling, a modern retelling of a, of a, of a piece of folklore which is being repeated. And yeah. he couldn't find, he couldn't find the catch for it. And he knew that that was the, he knew that's what he wanted to do, but it was in yeah, his brain yeah. for so long till one day he found um, this owl that had this uh, dinner service that had a, an owl design on it all the way around the edges. And that was the, that was the lightning moment um, because, and it's so strange that you have to kind of read the book. It makes complete sense in the logic of the book, but at yeah. the same time, there are these important gaps that are being left for your imagination. Like I think you use the imagination. These people having these imaginations is just is is. I'm quite an imaginative person, but it's wild. Some bit like yeah, it's mad. It and is. again, I think that's fantasy. Some of these worlds and these places and these characters and magics that are being made are yeah. just so wild. And yeah. my brain can't compute. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but you you know you want to hang out with them, right? Because you want to be immersed in the. Also, can you imagine them, them in Avebury and like? Oh yeah, space. Yeah, definitely. It well, it's um, Alderley Edge is where there's a really great. You must find it on YouTube. There's a again made in the seventies, 
Anangana had already become like, you know, a, a massive hero, but though he had that run of important books, Moon and Gomrath and Elidor, you know, out service. And all these kids, all, we're all devouring them and being changed by him, right? Yeah. Um, and um, the documentary is fascinating because he's pretty young in it. You've got, he's got his young kids and he's, and he's, he's at this Saxon hall that, that he, that he bought and his home that he's been his home since then uh, are near Alderley Edge you know where and again important Alderley Edge you know it's, it's where all the the radar is yeah. and all that kind of stuff so he's got this sense of uh supernature and folklore entwined with science right and um and the thing the science that we don't yet understand yeah um, we don't understand quantum theory we don't really understand the universe you know that like you know 75 80 90 whatever the percentage of it is that we don't really get it um, and now we've got we're in an exciting time with the James Webb Telescope yeah. out there. We're looking yeah, back at the time machine. Is it going to find life? You know, it's all what are the permutations of that? So it's and uh, yeah, he would be Garner would he's an orderly edge man. So he uh, he's done a fair bit of walking along uh, ridgeways okay. himself. So I, I don't have any problem with him. We might I have feel to like maybe I'm gonna need something stronger than beer to chat with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I hope so. <laughs> I think I'm going to yeah. need something that's going to unlock parts of my brain that are dormant yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to sort them. Yeah. We've got, so, so far, we've got our, our two have come. We're yeah. going to be having some deep conversations, I feel like. Have you got anyone else you're adding to the mix? Well, I've got two more. Two um, more. This is a nice but, number. Because yeah. you've got some characters, haven't you? Yeah, I've got, so I've got, uh, well, it's, again, it's no brainer. It would be Alice uh, from Alice in Wonderland. Um, if anyone is going to be able to fathom what's going on, it's Alice. <laughs> Exactly. And um, Alice in Wonderland for me, again, is a book that I reread um, and continually being continually fascinated by it, the strangeness of it. Yeah. Um, and again, it's quite dark when you actually read Alice in Wonderland, even the Disney adaptation a little bit. But there are some dark themes. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And we all go down the rabbit hole with her. Um, and it is about us not really understanding the universe again right and you've got an incredible um rye uh, heroine really strong female character in it who's importantly a child um and how she navigates the chaos of it the madness of it it's it is a, a the, the kind of mad dream of it but it's fascinating as well in the sense that it it's such a defined world um and the thing i like why alice would be coming with this is that she's as lewis carroll was is a great game player um, the, the, whether it's playing with words, playing with concepts, the tricksiness of games. Um, and so I think Alice would keep us pepped up, you know what I mean, when we might be, maybe we were tiring a bit, she'd, um, she'd, she'd bring out another bit, of, another bit of gameplay for us all to indulge in, whether it be, you know, who knows, but that, um, yeah, she, she for me would be, she'd have to be there, Alice, Alice Monoland. I love that. I love that. It's it's pure magic, isn't it, Alice Monland? It's just and again, imagination to think of that world, to think of all the layers of that world because it's such a complex world as well. There's yeah. so many different elements to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I and it's I, funny, you know. It's 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 a laugh out loud riot act, you know, Alice Monland. It, it 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 a her voice is great. From, you know, from that get go, she she doesn't suffer any fools. All that. No, kind of absolutely not. She she's the victim of her own uh, sort of fallibility. Do you know what I mean? Because she's quite stubborn. So suddenly yeah. she falls into these situations that she could well have avoided and kind of gets into. Quite so literally. Got, yeah, quite <laughs> literally. Um, and but it's 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 so funny. I mean, everything from, 
you know the the um you know the the uh, the pig that's being held by the you know the by the nurse and all that kind of stuff and all the pepper flying around the yeah. the um the queen the black you know the black queen that appears in and um, looking glass you know the next one which obviously is just just as good and you know I was a big um chess player my when I was younger at school we had a really good um teacher who was very good about getting us off to matches and off to tournaments and all that kind of stuff and of course chess is a huge part of of um, Alice in Wonderland as well so um I love that about it that suddenly the you know piece is coming alive and talking to you and um yeah so it's kind of and I think also the thing about like that Alice in Wonderland is that I think it's the first example of of interconnectivity between characters and it's got an interact interactive aspect about it that book you can kind of go into at any point and it all still in its crazy way makes sense you don't necessarily have to read it from beginning to end you see what I mean it's kind of yeah they're always very kind of strange scenes because she is in this yeah dreamlike I've said it because perhaps she has just fallen asleep on the riverbank it's that kind of it so like a dream you can kind of come into it and in, in anywhere and yeah. for me it's kind of that web of characters and ideas is kind of I think almost like almost the illustration of the internet or or, yeah. or, 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 or it's almost or little snapshots isn't it of her time you know like yes. you say you just get little little kind of little snapshots of what's happening at different yeah. points you know yeah. you could pick up the madhouse's tea party and just read that as one exactly. kind of little short story and the you know the yeah. jabberwocky is another and totally exactly yeah. we suddenly spring out into these moments right which in in the context of that world that carol creates i mean what a world um so i think for me it's always struck me as about yeah it's got that kind of interactive aspect to it kind of almost like a game like a game itself as if you're playing a console game like right? the uh, oh the choose your own adventure games uh, yeah I which i love loved what i did yeah, I love your own adventure. <laughs> oh my god you know it's like when is the next one coming out you know and we all <laughs> playing them on the school bus and <laughs> yeah you know and then they eventually you weren't losing your dice all the time because they included the, the dice on the um yeah. page i mean my god those books um and i Amazing. had like a yeah i had a very early version i've still got them it was like a school primary school and it was the very early version of it was the illustrations with a it was like a murder at a um a manor or something like that and there was a space one as well and you jumped to different different points i've got there in here this room somewhere somewhere um, in there we had something similar yeah and you'd be like turn to page six yeah. if you were going to get on the spaceship or if you exactly. go home go back you know go to the last page exactly. and i love yeah, yeah, that yeah. and yeah it yeah. has got a similar it has similar vibe feel. going on yeah yeah Okay, yeah. so you've got no pressure, but I'm I've got pretty high high hopes for your last guest now. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, it, it's um, it's this guy. Oh, uh, I, I have you. not heard of this guy. Yeah. So, um, so that it's this book, this Pado Aguilin. That's the first one. Cool. The cool. Oh, and I hadn't heard of him. Book. Okay. Yeah. So. If you've not read the call, stop everything you're doing. In fact, stop this pod- podcast right now. Go away right and now. and get this book um, and give it to everybody. You know, it's like and I, I I've been giving it to my students because um, I'm teaching at Bath Spa yeah. as well this past year, um, and I'm glad that I'm spreading the word for for um, for Pado Gillen's incredible book. Um, and you know, he's a he's a writer you know, lives in the southwest coast of Ireland which was also one of my favorite places uh, in the world my parents, my parents actually Ireland. live there so okay, that's well, lovely. I should buy it <laughs> yeah exactly so it's set in that in that context sort of drawn to it 
and I said it, it's um, set in a school, um, young, it's almost like a boarding school, um, but something is, it has happened to Ireland, they're at war with, um, with the fairies, and the fairies are not these kind of nice little tween little characters, they are they are terrifying um, and they have incredible As the truth they were in, in original fairy tales, exactly. they were pretty, pretty yeah. hideous, stealing children yeah. and leaving, you know, changelings in beds to be discovered. And they weren't great. No, they weren't great. And that's the theme of the call. So this oh, war wow. that's going on, they are, the fairies are trying to take back Ireland because, of course, they were deceived in the original yeah. folklore by by man. Um, and um, just writing this down as you're speaking, I'm going to add this <laughs> in my Amazon basket because I'm like, oh, it's got the Fae and it's set in Ireland. Oh, you would love this book. Um, and so you've got, and what happens, the reason why it's called The Call is that um, at any point, and you don't know when it's going to happen, a child will be taken for uh, 15 minutes from their world. They literally disappear and they appear in the fairy world where they're hunted by the fairies and for and that lasts a day in the fairy world and so at school so what happens because of this war that's been occurring is that the Irish authorities are training their young people to become fighters to become warriors um and in all sort of you know fighting skills and being able to um their you know cardiovascular system is always up and all that kind of stuff um because they just don't know when they're going to be taken so you've got scenes in the call where you're following the the main character um and uh you, you know that he's called nessa and she's she's a great again in terms of strong female yeah. um, characters in, in literature she's um she's had um i think it was polio as a as a, as a young child so she has her legs are she has to have she has walking sticks and she has to have they're in calipers and, and you're upping so, the up in the tension and upping the yeah. stakes <laughs> and you know at some point because it intersperses each chapter with a chapter with one of the kids from their point of view when they're in the fairy world right so you know you've got the you've got the goodies and baddies in it there's a bully at school they're all kind of bouncing off each other there's romance in there there's all the things you that you'd want from a for me to appeal to young people and all the stuff that they go through the school setting so it's got that kind of hunger games element to it in that i was that gonna respect. say it's got a feel of like a hunger games yeah. kind of but you've got the fairy element the fae yeah and... all the folklore um and the fairies are terrifying i mean i'm sorry i nearly swore there but it's kind of like they are <laughs> you know and they if they get hold of you their hands go through they're incredibly strong they're incredibly beautiful so they um um and they're kind of statuesque they're always smiling and laughing and um and they can then twist you sometimes they send you back alive but they've shaped you into an animal or shaped your skin or that kind of stuff or put a hole through you things like that um wow. so it, it has this incredible um tone to it you know the yeah. the these nightmares this world that he's created these kind of nightmarish visions and um but you know at some point that you're going that nessa yeah is going to be called so it's got an absolute drive through the book in terms of oh my you read it like ah, you read it like this yeah. you know, you're completely immersed in it but the the kind of it gets hold of you in that respect and you know well, how is she going to deal with that because of course that's going to happen 
Um, oh my God. So I, I read it like this, as if the book had it, I was in, under an electricity charge as I was reading it. It's like, oh, you know God. what's coming. Yeah, you know, you know. Yeah. It's the same as like with Game of Thrones. You know something absolutely hideous is going to happen because it always does. And you're reading and just waiting for that moment that someone's going to die or something hideous is going to happen, but you can't stop reading. Yeah, it's totally that. So oh I, it's one of those books that I just, um, I, I, it reminded me of um, when, um, um arcade fire's first album came out and david bowie was such a fan yeah right? and only bowie would do something like this he just he bought up stacks and stacks of the album and in any event he'd bet he'd have them in his pockets and he'd just hand out the album to people oh my god i did not know that yeah he he, he sang with them at, at, at some point so there's a great version of him doing um singing arcade fire's songs and That's and I, I feel like that with this book that um that if I had the wet, the financial, if I had Bowie's <laughs> wherewithal, I would just buy up stacks of this book and just be handing them out to complete straight. Every time I leave the house and go, have you read, have you read The Call uh, by Padre Galeen? If you're not, then you should, you should read it and tell everybody else that they should read it. So, well. well, it's in my Amazon basket now. I shall Good. go to Waterstones to buy it. But so I've saved it. Yeah, I will yeah. not forget. I will get a copy. <laughs> I will read it because you've, you've sold it. I've drunk the Kool-Aid now. <laughs> I'm going to join the cults, basically. Yeah. No, please um, do. This sounds like the perfect, you know, the perfect stroll and walk and ramble for yeah. fantasy lovers. We can just listen to them all talk. Absolutely, my goodness. You can, me. you know, we can get some tips, get some ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably write a story about this gathering. Because <laughs> my question is, do you have anyone you don't want to show up? Is there anyone who's like banned from the guest list? Um, again, I guess no brainer. Um, it is anybody to do with the Tory party. <laughs> This is a recurring theme. Every time I do this, people are like, I know I could say like Voldemort or Miss Trunchbull, but actually Tories. <laughs> it's Tories. And um yeah, and they're them. doing it to us doing it to us again with the um this terrible um you know voting for whether it's going to be Liz Truss or Rishi yeah. Sunak. And you know, it's like years it's on Sophie's choice, but yeah. hideous options. Yeah, exactly. Worse or worserer? Which one which... do you want least? Uh, you know? Liz Truss, I think. Oh. But then, but I don't. I just, it's it's so upsetting. It's kind of. I mean, that's what I I on Twitter. I'm either retweeting, supporting my mates, my writer mates, yes. and any books that are coming out, or I'm having a go at the Tories. I mean, that's for me is what Twitter is about. At the that's moment. what Twitter is for. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that's his main function. It's I don't blame you at all. That you know. You are not the first person to come on this podcast um, and have a blanket no Tory ban. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah. They're not welcome on this lovely ramble through. No, not at all. Not anywhere side. near them. Yeah. And uh, while we're about that, throw in Donald Trump, um, Vladimir Putin, and Xi Jinping of China. Who? Yeah, I'm not that? sure any of them do walking anyway. <laughs> no, they don't. No, they don't walk, just, do they? <laughs> just um, trying to take over democracy and bombing people, basically. So it, 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 we're living in really tumultuous times. Yeah. And everything is being affected by uh, the shallow selfishness of these individuals. Yes. Um, the reason why we've got uh, climate change crisis is is related to uh 
these people basically and it, 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 it and the reason why there's crisis on many different fronts is the selfishness of this and the reason why nationalism is going through the roof the reason why the far right coming back in italy for god's sake is mm-hmm. it's all related to this kind of protectionism and yeah. um uh or you know autocracy and and power and it's like when when do we ever at some point is a civilization I know, obviously it's a big part of which me talking about this yeah um do we ever learn from our mistakes as as human beings? Do we ever learn from the, do we ever learn? <laughs> the shit I mean, we what, do? Do we ever look back and go, oh, do you know what? That didn't work the first time. No, exactly. And they're taking us down the tubes. It's like, I don't want to, these people, yeah. they should not be in charge. So at one point, do we do we ascend? Are, there, are the aliens out there watching us going, right, they, you know, they fucked it. They're about to explode. <laughs> the planet's going down the tubes. We can't when do we in. step in, guys? When do, yeah, exactly. we, when do we stop things? I'm I mean, sure I know you're wrong. a parent the same as me. And yeah. my my greatest hope looking at my children is I hope to God that we are raising children that are more open minded, that are more educated and considered with politics yeah. and global Definitely. warming Definitely. and tolerance and will be the generation that will make real change. And I hear children talking about things now that I certainly was never taught about in schools as a child. You know, you never talked about global warming or politics of the kid you know my little girl she's a five she's like who's our next prime minister going to be I mean yeah I think kids I hope that our children will be the ones that will oh you know they will when all the the really crusty old people have gone (laughs) yes I totally agree with you and uh, you know with with my kids that they're certainly only going to be Tory voters I can tell they tell you that much no absolutely not absolutely not I think that's all we can hope is that this generation that is coming the teenagers now and teenagers now are so eloquent in yes. their thoughts yes. and their passions and their yes. feelings absolutely in a way we certainly were not um That's i don't know about easy. yourself your generation's teenagers <laughs> yeah no totally i totally agree with that um i'm um my daughter had some and she had a bit of an end of term party in the garden the other night and yeah. um it was lovely seeing them all and them all having a lovely time and they come through a lot with the pandemic yes. and trying to deal with exams and school is difficult enough and then all you know best times when you've got trying to do around a pandemic and um i think in one sense it, it's it's amazing to see how tough and how robust they are at navigating it um and that that perhaps in one sense because they've come through something that is so it's been so difficult yeah. or I say come through they are living in it it's not over they are yes yeah um that it's giving them the tools in one sense perhaps to politically as well yeah about the decisions they're going to make and what kind of world they want um Mm -hmm. so yes this next generation where hopefully the wheel of fortune turns and we we get over this addiction to nationalism and brexit and and what the country being run by a a small group of white men basically um um uh, of a certain age you know it's not that kind of so, so it's with a certain, of, income. a certain income exactly. <laughs> you know and and those people are going to make a decision now about the next prime minister we don't have proportional representation in this country we should have we've got a very unfair electoral system it's all, all this kind of stuff and it we've seen it also happen in the states so it's like i hope that's all i can you see do. young people now as well you know they're attending protests they're writing yes. letters to mps they yes. are be, they're using their social media platform to be outspoken and take an yes. interest um, in a way I certainly 
Yeah. Never ever did. That was an adult yeah. thing. Grown ups dealt with that. That wasn't yeah. my problem. Yeah. Um, and as you say, perhaps the, the bright side of the pandemic is like you say, it's given them the tools to say, actually, no, there were decisions made we're not happy with and we yeah. can take we a can stand. Absolutely. Let's so it's, we, exactly. Fingers crossed. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can say yeah. youths now. I'm 30. So I can say, <laughs> come on, <youth. laughs> yeah. I always think I'm young and then I see young people in here and I think, oh, Christ, no, I'm, I'm a 90s baby. <laughs> I know. But before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your Sunday, um, mm. I'm going to have to ask if you're reading anything before you go. Yes, I've always got a number of books on the go. Um, um, so bouncing around. The moment I'm, I, I saw this, somebody tweeted this and I, so it's, um, Oh, what a cover. It's a great cover. A, I had to get it to the cover. So it's, yeah. um, I'm going to get her name wrong now. It's Latvona by Otessa Moshve, or Moshveg. Um, yeah. So she's an American writer. This is a, it's not, a, it's, um, it's an adult, adult book. I mean, it's, a, it's, not a, it's not a children's book. Yeah. Um, but it had, it's like so many, it's set in medieval, um, I think it's um, Romania, somewhere like, somewhere like that. Oh, I need wow. to look up where Latvona is. But, um, and it's, it's it's about the people who live there and um there's a witch in it or somebody who's very witchy so it's kind of like me all over so that's that i'm reading that and really really loving it what else i'm reading also excuse me i've got some so i've got them here Um, (laughs) all and the wild hunt uh by anna anna houghton who's a mate of mine she was also i love that cover as well all in the wild hunt that sounds gorgeous this launched a few weeks ago um she's a Crystal Light, and as well as a mate, so I went along to her book, book launch, Very topic, nice. which, where Chris and I are going to be doing a double launch, and also, um, yeah, Chris's book, The Last Whale, I'm also reading. So Thank because you. I, it's all I very natural. With... You still got those nature themes. Oh, that's true. That's true. I know. I'm drawn to the yeah. I just read the same stuff. Um, but I'm very. If you say they're local based writers as well, I yeah. think you know Wiltshire, Devon, Dorset, Cornwall. You can't yeah. escape. You can't escape no. how Britain actually. I think Britain lends itself to writing so well with our history yeah. and with our landscape. And yeah, that's very that's very true. I think, and the fact that we're an island, you know, surrounded by the water and the, the beauty of that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So these are these are mates, but I'm I mean really enjoying their books, and I you know I know them well. And also, it was an honour to workshop with Chris. I mean, he workshopped Stone, yeah. and he was sharing bits of the Lost Whale. And the same with um, Stone, so he knows that. So it's a really moving thing, to be honest with you. And it's such an honour to be launching with him um, because, you know, he's, he's part of the journey of that book. And um, so it's, um, I'm, I'm really delighted that we're there. And we're also both with Zephyr. I just follow Chris around. That, that, that's basically yeah. what I'm <laughs> He's like, oh, God, that guy's Simon yeah, exactly. And you're like, oh, look what I've done. He's like, oh, <laughs> Yay! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm stuck with you for another few years. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just hold on. To, I just hold on to him like this. And Zephyr. I mean, I'm a big fan of Zephyr books. Yeah. Um, I love pretty much everything they release. They're responsible for a big chunk of my TBR pile. But I yeah. cannot wait for Stone. Oh, I loved you. Witch. I'm ready for Stone. I cannot wait to read it. And oh, this has been so interesting. Thank you so much for coming to spend a bit of a, a bit of a Sunday afternoon oh, chatting with absolute me. Absolute pleasure, Danny. It's um yeah, it's been it's been lovely chatting to you about all my favorite things. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. 
Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 